I'm Zach Yanta with Yanta Ranches in Rungi, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. You know the drill. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state of the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, are cotton prices too high? Well, if you're growing cotton, there is no such thing as too high. But when you look at the industry as a whole, we can price ourselves out of the world market. And we may be at the level where that's starting to happen. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas High Plains feed yards were enjoying some pretty nice profits back around Christmas time. Things have changed since then. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Improving the value of ranch property during the drought. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has a new director. I'll visit with Dr. Rick Avery coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. With old crop cotton now above a dollar forty and new crop over a dollar twenty, are prices getting a bit too high? Well, if you're growing cotton, there's really no such thing as prices too high. But cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland says at these levels, we're pricing cotton out of the market. Yes, I personally think they are too high. They're too high for demand. Obviously, growers don't think they're too high. The problem we're running into is that we're not trading much cotton. We're not selling much cotton. Cotton is not trading around the world very well because of the high price. Cleveland says yarn mills are having trouble paying these high prices. But he does expect prices to go even higher from here. I do think that we're going to see, driven primarily by speculators uh, on the old crop, I think we're going to see that price continue to move a little bit higher, trying to push a dollar and fifty cents simply because of the speculative money, and we could go higher. Cleveland says new crop prices are being affected primarily by the Texas drought. And while most of Texas is dealing with a crippling drought, that's not the case in all areas of the state. Down in the Rio Grande Valley, farmers have had plenty of moisture to get their crop in the ground and up and growing, according to Valley farmer Sam Sparks. Going into planting season, the moisture was excellent. Our soil profile was saturated with moisture and not from uh, heavy driven rains that we've seen in the past. We received all that moisture from slow, drizzly type rain. And so our soil was really nice and mellow and loose and it made planting season go very, very nice and smoothly. Crops are off to a really good start. We just, we're going to need a rain here in two or three weeks. 
Sparks says both corn and cotton on his farm are looking very good right now. The four CEOs of Cargill, Tyson Foods, JBS, and National Beef Packing have all agreed to testify before Congress next week. Reuters says the meatpacker bosses will discuss cattle markets and price increases for consumers. House Ag Committee Chairman David Scott says it's important to find out why prices have dropped for ranchers and risen for consumers. The White House announced a plan in January for new rules that will increase competition in the industry and stop exploitation within the meat sector. The concern is that a small group of meat packers can dictate beef, pork, and poultry prices, which will add to inflation pressure caused by rising production costs. Texas High Plains feed yards are facing tough economic times once again. James Hunt tells us feedlot profitability was pretty good back around Christmas, but that has definitely changed. For quite a while now, we've been talking about the challenges area farmers are facing due to high input costs. Well, our feed yard operators are in much the same situation. Corn keeps continuing to fly higher. That's Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association talking about the dramatic rise that has corn running around $2 a bushel higher than where it was just four months ago. I know there's a lot of volatility in corn prices from day to day, but I mean, we're in an area of 750 to $8 corn. And then if you add bases on top of that of about somewhere around a dollar to a dollar fifty, depending on where you're located, this corn price is getting super high. Yes, add in that cost of shipping, referred to as basis, and Miller says local cattle feeders are in some cases purchasing corn at historically high prices of around nine dollars a bushel or more. What that translates to is a cost of gain of about a dollar forty per pound almost double what the per pound cost of feeding cattle to market weight was prior to the escalation in grain prices we began to see in the latter part of 2020. So here's the rub. Four months ago, area feed yards were seeing profits on average of about $100 per head on a cash basis. Now, Miller says, there's been a big reversal and feed yards are looking at losses, both for the cattle they're selling to packers at the present time and for new livestock entering the yards cattle coming out on a cash basis is about a hundred dollar loser cattle coming into the yard on a cash basis is about a hundred to 150 dollar loser with those cost of gain so a tough situation economically in the meantime cattle inventories in feed yards are super high right now as we'll talk about tomorrow i'm james hunt on the texas farm bureau radio network the ongoing drought here in texas may present an opportunity to improve your rural property Tom Nicoletti tells how. With us today is Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall LLP, broker partner uh, with that company in College Station. And Tyler joins us again as we talk about various land issues in Texas. And uh, Tyler, certainly the dry conditions across most of Texas uh, makes it uh, difficult to keep the value of that ranch property where it needs to be for uh, owners. Let's first talk about uh, ponds, uh, tanks on these uh, ranch properties and what people need to be aware of. You know, as, as farmers and ranchers, we always talk about making hay while the sun shines. And I think that's, that's because we're eternal optimists. But as we talk about, you know, protecting our real estate values and the ranches in general, you know, one of the things that, that we saw a lot of in the 2011 drought was a lot of people took opportunities to, to pull the sludge out of their ponds. So their ponds were pretty low anyway. 
their tanks were. And the lower that tank got, the more the sludge and the silt in the bottom of that tank got to be a problem for the livestock and water clarity and, and mud issues. So if you're not going to have the livestock there because of the drought, you know, you can definitely go ahead and take the opportunity to pump that tank out hire you a dozer, whatever piece of equipment you think is appropriate, and get that sludge out of there. Additionally, you can also take the opportunity if, if, you know, if you've got areas like that, other tank and, and pond sites where you think might be appropriate to build another tank or another pond, take advantage of it. Sometimes the move-in and the move-out cost of that equipment is as much as the operating time itself. I will have more with Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall on land issues during the drought on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has a new director. Gary Joyner visits with Dr. Rick Avery. I'm with Dr. Rick Avery of the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. Uh, Dr. Avery uh, began the position in January, a uh, new opportunity, but you've been with Extension a long time, so this was really a, a passion and an effort uh, that you wanted to make to continue that work. Uh, what are some of the things you're hoping to accomplish here in the next year or short term? Right. Well, uh, AgriLife Extension, of course, reaches into every community in the state, and, and we're very proud of our network of agents and, and the network that supports our agents' work in areas including ag and natural resources. And so I'm getting my arms wrapped around where we are as an agency. As you mentioned, I'd previously been with the agency and recently returned. But what I'm seeing, one, is just that continued work that we do in communities around the state. But we have to have a sustainable uh, um, workforce mm-hmm. to make sure we maintain and, and even increase our capacity to serve those communities. And so I'm looking very closely at how in this current environment uh, and labor environment that we are making sure that we're staying on the top of our game with our employees so that we're better able to serve the citizens of the state. And AgriLife Extension touches Texans uh, across all walks of life and really in all areas, urban, suburban, metro. Correct. Our, our major programming areas, I already mentioned agricultural and natural resources, but we also work in the areas of community and economic development, uh, community health, youth, um, and also disaster assessment and recovery. Um, It doesn't matter what portion of the state you're in, whether you're in an urban area, uh, a rural area, or somewhere in between, all those areas touch you. And so that's our programmatic emphasis for uh, the people of Texas. The type of background that extension agents come from, uh, those that serve in the agriculture community may in the past have been from agriculture, but maybe not so much anymore. That's correct. Uh, When I first uh, joined the organization, um, it seemed like a lot of the individuals who occupied roles within extension were from a rural environment. Uh, But we've increased our presence um, in urban areas over time. And uh, so our our area of of service is is much more widespread. And so uh, that has been one of our uh, major points of emphasis is to bring in people with different backgrounds who can serve different uh, communities and different program areas. People will know the Extension Service probably from their local office. That's really where those relationships begin. Correct. You know, I'm from a small town, and uh, it seems like the first person I ever met who wasn't from my town was the Extension agent, the Agricultural Extension agent in uh, Fort Bend County, and it had a lasting impression on me. And and I think that's a lot of the uh, uh, entry into the area of Extension that uh, particularly rural families have. That's Dr. Rick Avery, director of the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. 
Eastern turkey hunting season opens in just a few days. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And embryo transfer may be a good way to get foals out of show horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to texasfarmbureau.org to learn more. That's texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Embryo transfer may be a good way to get foals out of show horses. Dr. Bob Judd says this can help you keep from missing the show season. Embryo transfer has become a routine practice in mares, but it does take some planning on the part of the horse owner and veterinarian. Dr. Julie Strakota from Michigan State indicates these mares can even remain in training while being bred and the embryo flushed. A surrogate mare must be healthy, young, and have a normal reproductive tract, and both the donor and recipient mares need to be on the same reproductive cycle. This can be difficult, even with medication, as not all mares respond the same. So it is always a good idea to have several mares to choose from, so when you need to implant an embryo, you will have a mare at the correct stage. The process involves breeding a mare, and then after seven to eight days, the mare's uterus is flushed with fluid, and the embryo is flushed out of the mare's uterus, identified, and inserted into the uterus of a surrogate mare. In one week, the surrogate mare can be checked for pregnancy, and if pregnant, she will deliver and raise the foal, allowing the biological mother to continue showing and performing. Although this is a routine procedure, it is not inexpensive, as it does require a significant amount of the veterinarian's time, as well as drugs and several horses can be used as possible surrogates. Although unlikely, donor mares can develop complications from flushing the uterus, such as uterine infection. Dr. Strakota believes the donor mare should actually carry a foal to term every three to four years just to maintain her reproductive health. So if you have a nice mare you're showing and would like a foal but want to continue the show schedule, consider embryo transfer. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Eastern turkey season opens here in Texas in just a few days. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Wild turkey hunting for those counties with an eastern turkey season begins in just a few days. Jason Harden, Wild Turkey Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. Easterns are only allowed to be hunted during the spring season. We do have a not the most robust eastern turkey population, but where they do exist, there is some hunting opportunities. We open that season later due to the lower densities. It doesn't begin until April 22nd, and that's a goal to make sure most of our hens are bred and sitting on a nest. Red River County, Sabine County, Newton County are probably the best strongholds. But we do offer a season in 12 different counties. Grayson County has a mixture of Rios, Easterns, and hybrids of the two. But it is managed as an Eastern County. So if you're in Grayson County, be sure to report your harvested bird because it is mandatory to report that through our My Texas Hunt Harvest or through our Partial Wildlife website. 
The following counties have an eastern season, Bowie, Cass, Fannin, Grayson, Jasper, Lamar, Marion, Nacogdoches, Newton, Polk, Red River, and Sabine. Those who hunt turkeys in those counties may only use a shotgun or lawful archery equipment. Hunting over bait is not allowed. As Harden mentioned, all turkeys taken in those counties must be reported via the My Texas Hunt Harvest app or TPWD website within 24 hours of harvest. We're trying to keep track of harvest. Harvest usually plays in real well with densities. And in our lower density areas of the state, so like I mentioned, those one bird bag limit counties, we just don't have enough birds, enough hunting, enough harvest in those areas for that information to show up on our small game harvest survey. Eastern turkey hunting season opens Friday and runs through May 14th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a higher day of trading for the cattle market on Tuesday, but lower for cotton and grains. We'll update all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, the McCullough County Farm Bureau is holding Food Connection Day on Wednesday, May 4th at the Tractor Supply Company in Brady. McCullough County Farm Bureau President Bobby Pierce joins us. Bobby, tell us about Food Connection Day in McCullough County. We're doing our Food Connection Day again in May. We've been doing it for several years now. We cook hamburgers, have hamburgers, chips, and uh, water, and it's for anybody in the community. And it's just a free hamburger for us to help promote agriculture and people to visit the latest updates on agriculture. It's McCullough County Farm Bureau's Food Connection Day coming up Wednesday, May 4th from 10.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Tractor Supply Company in Brady. If you'd like to have your event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email. C. Martin, that's C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at txfb.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw mostly higher trade in the cattle market on Tuesday. We ended up closing higher on live cattle, mixed on the feeder cattle market. April live cattle were up 87 cents to close at 141.35. June up 77 at 136.57. August live cattle up 80 cents at 138.17. Feeder cattle higher on the nearbys, lower on the deferreds. April feeders up 87 at 156.65. May feeder cattle up $1.62 at 160.77, while August feeder cattle were down 2 cents, 171.45. Cash-fed cattle market seeing some early week activity. Packers jumped in and started buying cattle on Tuesday at 140 here in the south. That's a buck higher compared to last week. No sales reported up north so far this week. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice up four cents at two seventy one twelve. Select up seventy nine at two sixty twenty five. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle, it's time to check the results of the sale that that little country ball of fire Maddie Bexley had in Lockhart on a Thursday. 
The last one before the holiday. Maddie, how'd it go? We had 981 with 253 cows and 34 bulls, uh, 145 sellers, and 84 buyers. Walk the pins with us, please. On the soccer cows, we got along pretty good. Uh, good pairs were brought from 12 to 1550. Mediocre and middle-aged pairs from 9 to 1175. The good bred cows from 1000 to 1275. Mediocre middle-aged and short-bred cows from 650 to 975. The longhorn and the planer cows from three and a quarter to six and a quarter. Uh, Packer cows would have been about steady with a week ago and bulls maybe just a tick softer. The good high yielding cows from 80 to 93. The medium yielding cows from 70 to 79. The low yielding and lightweight cows from 42 to 69. Uh, better end of the Packer bulls from a dollar to a dollar eight. The medium yielding from 90 to 99. The low yielding and lightweight bulls from 80 to 89. And on the calves and yearlings, they sold really good on the good quality cattle. Uh, today was the last sell around until next Tuesday, so the order buyers really pushing on the good quality cattle. So uh, all in all, it was, a, it was a really good day. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you if they want to have a good day next Thursday. Yeah, Larry. Actually, uh, next week we're supposed to have a little herd sell out of about 30 um, Santa Gertrudis cows, some pears and some breads. And so anyway, um, hopefully I can get some pictures of them at the beginning of this next week and get those on Facebook. But if you have have any questions or want to get in contact with us, you can always check us out on Facebook uh, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble here in Central Texas reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close sharply lower. May hogs down a dollar eighty-two at one fourteen seventy, while June hogs dropped a dollar seven one twenty-one thirty-two. Class three milk was lower on Tuesday. April milk down three twenty-four twenty-seven a hundred weight. May milk down seventy-five cents at twenty-four thirty-eight a hundred. The cotton market saw sharp losses, especially on the old crop contracts. We saw higher interest rate fears creeping into the market, as well as a global economic downgrade and shuttering of Chinese cities all contributed to the negative tone in the cotton market on Tuesday. The May contract dropped 506 points to close at 139.68. October cotton down 276 points at 126.70. December cotton dropped 252 to close at 120.95. The corn market closed lower on Tuesday. The market actually hit some new contract highs, but profit-taking came into the market and pushed prices lower. May corn finishing nine and a quarter lower at 804 a bushel. New crop September corn down four and a half at 761 and a half. Lower close in the wheat market Tuesday, July Kansas City wheat down 12 and three quarters, 1176 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down 19 and three quarters. At 1109 a bushel. In the energy markets, May natural gas down 67 cents at 714. May crude oil down 584, 102.37 a barrel. The financial markets were higher on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 509 points, 34,921. The Nasdaq up 292 points, 13,625. The S&P up 74 at 4,465. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, 
check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.